Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Flow Track Podcast. I am Kevin Sully, again, by myself here. Gordon promises to be back later on this week. We'll see if he comes through with that promise. But today we're going to recap the London Marathon. Also, I will uh, answer any questions we got in the chat. So if you're watching live on YouTube, thank you for tuning in. Drop some questions in the chat as we go. Um, but mostly this show is going to be about recapping the London Marathon uh, Yahuwah, as expected, delivers in just her second marathon of her career. Amos Kiprutu, who was second fiddle to Ilya Kipchoge in Tokyo, he gets his first world marathon major win. So both races went as expected. Times were not as quick as I thought. I thought going into the races, we could potentially on the women's side see that women's only record be broken. We also could potentially have seen a 2.15. Probably some of that was after watching what Asefa did in Berlin, running the 215, you start to think, oh man, there's other women in London who have much better back uh, backstories or re resumes than she is. Maybe that, that'll translate to a fast time here in London. But it was fast, but it was normal fast. It wasn't crazy fast, we should say. So I'm gonna get into it. We're gonna do the, uh, I'm gonna do 15 takeaways. Now, normally with these shows post London, I used to do this when I was writing. I do 26 takeaways and it's tough, you know, 26 miles, 26 takeaways. You want to make it match up. That's the hook to grab the reader, pull them in or the viewer. But really it's tough to get past 15 or 16. That's what I've learned. It's tough to have 26 opinions on any one race. If it was a track meet, probably you could get there, but there's no hook there. There's no connection with 26 for track. For the marathon, it works with the miles. So I understood that this time. I went for 15. So I'm going to give you my best 15 takeaways from the London Marathon. Again, if you're watching live, let me know what you think in the chat. What did you think of the races? What do you think of the rest of the fall marathon slate? What are you excited to see now that it shifts to the U.S. in Chicago and New York? What are you excited to see um, in those two marathons? But I'm going to start first. Takeaway number one. Uh, we'll start with Yehuelah. Uh, Yelimzerf Yehuelah, 217. 26 217 26 just 23 years old she's the second fastest half marathon in history she's the road 10k world record holder and now she has two times in the top 11 in women's marathoning history three other women have two marks in the top 10 bridget koskai of course who has a world record paula radcliffe and ruth chepengedich so two of those women are obviously absolute legends within the sport of marathon running. And now Yahuwah has joined that group and she's only 23 years old. And if you watch the way she ran that race, you have to feel really optimistic about her future in the distance. Now, not every half marathoner is going to translate to the marathon. You have countless examples of that being true, but Yahuwah has now done it twice. The first time in Hamburg against 
decent competition, but not competition like this. And she runs 217, 23. Now she does it against top flight competition. And it's a little different than doing it in an Olympics or in a non-rabbited race because you have a lot of variables there. Fewer variables here because it's pace. But just having people around that last 10 to 15 kilometers, a different experience than just being the out-and-out -out favorite and blowing everybody out of the water. So my first takeaway, just very impressed with Yahuwah In particular, my second point here, 443, her 24-mile split, 443, everybody was incredulous. The broadcasters, people on social media, was that right? Was that a typo? At this point, if someone comes back to me and says, actually, that mile was measured incorrectly, I don't even want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Hands down, the fastest split that's ever been reported for women's marathon running. Yahuwah 443, it was 203 pace at mile 24. I'll say that again, 203 pace. And this was in the midst of her big breakaway. I did not think I would see a 443 split out there. And that that's the number that you're gonna remember, other than the 217, you're gonna remember that. But you're also gonna remember 443 is one of the great, just most memorable splits of all time. I think back to Jeffrey Camor when he had that with, was it a 1301? I think it was a 1301 5K split within a half marathon. Just an insane, insane run. Now, that tells me something important though. I think that there's really more here with Yahuwah You You pull up the half marathon splits here and early on they were in, you know, 216 pace, but at halfway, 108.46 for that lead group. She was well within herself. And it was a big group, a lot of big names, a lot of women who are capable of running 217 in that mix. I think Yahuwah, if she were to go to a Valencia next year, or maybe if she even runs back London in the spring, we'll get to that in a little bit. The fact that we're going to have back-to-back -back Londons in different marathon seasons. I think she could go out a little more aggressive here. I think she handled that pace and part of that's because she's a 63 minute half marathoner. So a high 68 is very manageable, but to be able to split 443 late in the race just shows you how much confidence she has. Um, that was just mind boggling. Now, flip side of things. I love moments of relatability within a marathon and Yahuwah had one about 10K to go in the race. The pack is still together. And all of a sudden, you're watching on the feed. You, can, you can't see it because she's obstructed, but you see all the other women in the pack, or at least a couple of them, turn around. We're showing it now if you're watching on the YouTube stream. That's Yahuwah in the back. She tripped over a speed bump, it appears, because you see a speed bump there on the road. And then she went down. Didn't cause her any sort of issues within the race, but you can see she lost some distance, catches right back up. This is so relatable to me because I'm a person who once a year, eh, maybe twice a year, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you guys. Twice a year, I'm good for a solid tripping over the sidewalk and really scratching my hands mid-run. Right? You can pencil a couple of those in. And usually it's because I'm not paying attention. I'm daydreaming. I'm not picking up my feet. I'm just sort of shuffling along. And I think for Yahuwah, that pace was so easy for her that she was doing the same thing. Just out looking around checking out the fans, maybe looking at her watch every now and then, didn't notice a slight rise, and then boom, she go goes down. It woke her up. She was able to react and get to uh, get back with that pack, and it didn't disrupt her too much. But again, these athletes, are in they do insane things, things that we could never dream to accomplish in terms of the types of times that they put out in these marathons, like with that 443. But then they also have moments where they show that they're mortal just like us. So I appreciate Yahuwah um, for that. Hopefully she's no worse for wear. Didn't see any photos afterwards of whether or not she scratched up her hands. Maybe the London roads are just really smooth and it was a super soft landing and she, uh, and she was all good. So Yahuwah responds from the fall and then gets right back up and keeps rolling. Number four, number four. I wanna talk about the two different world records for the women. Because World Athletics a couple of years ago said, oh, we're going to have two different categories, right? There's the mixed gender races where obviously men are able to pace the women. And then there's the single gender races. So you have two different world records. So you pull up the all-time list and you look. Now, we, I think everybody says when they, they're asked, what's the world record in the women's marathon? Oh, 214.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04, 14.04
Bridget Koss guy in Chicago 2019. But a record that got tossed around a lot on Sunday morning was Mary Katani's 217.01, which for a while it looked like, especially when Yuhua was running 440s out there, hey, that record might go down too. And I just want to know what record do we think is going to be the harder one to break? Is it the 214.04 when you have male pacers or is it the 217 when you're just running with women? Before Sunday, I definitively would have said, okay, 214. I don't care if there's pacers out there taking you all the way to 26 miles. But that takes off Berlin. Like you can't, you can't use Berlin or Chicago basically because they're not there. It seems like they're always going to have that setup where it's going to be a mixed gender race out there which would leave London as the main race that gets you to the women's only record. So it's three, almost three minutes slower, um, but it obviously makes a big, a big difference when you have pacers there the entire way versus pacers there, you know, 25 to 30K. I'm going to say I still think that 214.04 is going to be tougher to achieve, but when you see someone like Ty Jessicefa at Berlin, in her second marathon, you know, drop a, a mid 215. So you're, you're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe we need to rethink these records. But I think that Kaitani mark for single gender women's only marathon mark of 217.01, that's a tough record. That's a tough record that doesn't get spoken about a bunch. On that all time list, too, you see, um, you see uh, guys Mark from, from Tokyo, right? So that, that had male pacers in as well. Radcliffe's 215.25, that was before they had just the all-women's race and then, and then the mass race um, afterwards. So maybe there'll be a race that's lightning quick that makes it women's only. But I, right now, I think London is that best shot. And it's just, that's a, that's a tough record. Like Katani's 217.01 was, was no joke. So I just think it's a fun thing to keep tabs on which one's gonna be gonna be tough on that same point dustin in the chat says the solo is tough kipchoge shows how important having pacers is unless you assemble the perfect field hard to hit 217 without a mixed field yeah and that's that was the fun with not to get on a kipchoge tangent i'll do that later too but that was the fun part with breaking two and with the ineos 159 challenge you got to see kipchoge have pacers all the way so you got to see him in just that fully optimized setting. And for someone like Kipchoge, who's just running too fast to even have pacers, and the men's side of the competition, you're always gonna run out of pacers at a certain point. Women, you can have the men go all the way to the finish line if you wanted to, but Kipchoge and the men's side of things, they were always gonna be limited by how long they could have pacers. And you see this on the, the track, correct, right? Like. The track, they're not having mixed gender races. So who's ever going after a world record, doesn't matter if it's Faith Kipyegon, if it's Latensepet Gidei, if it's Joshua Cheptegei, eventually the pacers are going to run out and they're by themselves. The Kipchoge experiment allowed us to see, hey, what's it look like when you have somebody all the way to the end? And on the women's side of things, you get to see that in Chicago. You get to see that in Berlin. I'm, I like it when they get their own stage. Like I like it when it's, it's women's only, but obviously it's going to help having more people out there for a longer period of time, breaking the wind for you, setting the pace. So you don't need to worry about the pace that that's only going to help. I mean, imagine, imagine the world where Yahuwala in that mile 24, where she's running 440, whatever has, has a, uh, just a crew of pacers in front of her, just a squad of pacers breaking the wind for her. I mean, how fast could she have gone? on that second half of things. So just something to, to think about as we move forward, the difference in these um, races. Um, yeah, Dustin mentions, maybe they could lay down 26.2 miles of wave lights technology and could happen solo. If any place is gonna do that, it's gonna be Valencia because they are just dead set on becoming the fastest town ever. Uh, Brendan asks, G'day predictions in Valencia. 213. I'm going to get to that in a sec. I'm going to get to what we think is going to happen the rest of the, the marathon season. So hold on to that thought. Um, let's go to number five. We're on number five. Uh, Jocelyn Jepkowski, still in the mix. Great race. Get second. Um, no shame in that. Yahuwala is just really, really good. Uh, she runs 218.07. If you had to power rank right now the women's marathoners, it, it gets very tough because you want to be 
not such a prisoner of the moment and just jump all the way on Yahuwah. But Kazgai scratched. Jip Kazgai got beaten. I guess we got to wait and see what Jip Chirchir has in store. But at the very least, you say Jip Kazgai is in the mix here. Number six, let's talk about depth though. Let's talk about overall because you got a lot of names up there running under 219. Mergutu, third. Career, fourth. All under 219. Then you have two more women, sub 220. I went and looked this up. This is becoming par for the course. Whether or not it's Tokyo, whether or not it's Berlin now, or London last year, or the year before, having four or five women sub 219 is becoming kind of a prerequisite in this current marathon era. Now, some of that's because the shoes are making things faster. Also, I think we're just getting to the point where there's enough women in the marathon who are going to the marathon early. Like Yuhula is 23 years old, right? She went, she went she's using her prime, all of her prime on the roads. So it's going to take something special in the next couple of years to put a historically deep race on, on a marathon course, because it's just getting, it's becoming the norm where we're seeing four or five women um, under 219, whereas it used to be a huge deal when we would see, you know, one or two women in a race, we, we talk about how crazy the depth is, but right now that just seems, that just seems to be a pattern, um, on the women's side of things, like having that many women in, in the 218 range. Let's go to number seven. We're going to switch over to the men's side. Now, uh, Amos Kiprutu, is he the second best men's marathoner in the world? And does it matter? Because they're really all that far behind Iliad Kipchoge. I think you can make an argument for Amos Kiprutu. Runs uh, solid time, 204 high. This was a very traditional-ish kind of marathon. The first half was quick, but it wasn't crazy. You had four or five men in the mix. And then one guy surged away at the end and prevailed. A couple guys fell off that you expected would, would be there. Sisay Lemma, reigning champion. You know, he, he had trouble, but everybody kind of stayed around the same range. I mean, even Kenanisa Bekele, only a minute 14 back, you had four guys within 50 seconds of each other. But Kiprutu, this performance combined with the second place performance in Tokyo to Kipchoge, which those actually convert to wins. Like if you go and you, you type them into a computer, you'd actually realize that a second place finish to Elliot Kipchoge these days counts as a win. So I'm willing to say Amos Kiprutu is number two. The guy I used to have at number two, Lawrence Chirono, uh, got suspended for an anti-doping violation. So right now, I would have to say Amos Kiprutu is actually the second best guy in the world. Now, does it matter and how long will it last are two very good questions because an interesting, an interesting exercise for those of you who want homework, go back and list ever since Kipchoge became clearly the number one marathoner in the world, how many different number twos have there been? We tried to make Bekele the rival, but Bekele had that one race in Berlin. And even when he had that one race, it was very clear that Kipchoge was still number one. And it took a little while because we had 2019, we had races canceled, but there have been so many people who've occupied that number two spot behind Eliud Kipchoge um, that, that I've lost count at this point. So can Kiprutu, he's going to have to string it together for another, I would say another year, perhaps two, um, to really make, to differentiate himself from all the others who have come before. Does it matter? I mean, I don't know. Like you look at, you look at the spring now, you got to figure he's probably going to try to go back to London to defend his title. We don't know where Iliad would go. And he's, Kip, Kiprutu is obviously closer to everybody else than Kipchoge is to Kiprutu, right? The gap is between one and two. There's not that much of a gap between two and three as we saw on Sunday morning. On uh, number eight, let's just go, let's just talk about Kipchoge real quickly because this just shows how good Eliud Kipchoge is once again because Kiprutu, he was handling business out there on Sunday, right? He had the, what was that? 420 something mile, either on 24 or 25. And I thought he looked in control. It's weird to say that in a marathon, but he was pulling away somewhat comfortably. And again, this is a guy that Kipchoge just handled in, in Tokyo with a similar, if not greater level of ease. I'm not going to go too much down the Kipchoge rabbit hole today, but uh, number nine, number nine, 
Uh, the times on both sides, men's side, women's side, you know, 204 mid to high for the men, women, 207 mid and then 218s, kind of normalish. Uh, maybe even a bit slower than people predicted. Certainly a bit slower than I than I predicted. Now, the weather we thought was going to be pretty good and I thought it was pretty good, but I think sometimes with these marathons, we see one in the fall and then we just get carried away and think that's going to translate to the next one. And the composition of the pack matters, right? The desire of the pack matters. Take that women's race, for example. You know, what if instead of going out, what were they, 68.45 for the half? You know, what if instead of a huge group at 68.45, one or two women went out, you know, 68 flat or 67, you know, went a minute faster? What would have been the result? Would one or two have been able to hang on or would one have been able to hang on? and run something crazy clearly we know yahuwah had something left and similarly on the men's side like they were together for a long way on on the men's side so it's weird to say but it's almost you see a 204 in a race like this and you have to think hey, is this kind of a kind of tactical-ish marathon or 205s or 217s and 218s because um there's definitely more than one way to approach this type of racing and i feel like because 204s have been normalized, um, we have to think about it a different way than we used to to think about it. Same thing with the women and, you know, 216, 217, 218. But times were a little more uh, a little more normal than than I expected. Uh, let's talk about Kennedy Sabekele. Number 10. Number 10. Kennedy Sabekele. I thought he ran a great race. I thought this is as good as we can expect from Kennedy Sabekele in the year 2022. And I know that's probably not a comfort to Kenny Spikele because he wants to be competing for wins. Uh, but he ran 205.53. He's 40 years old. Broke the Masters record, which I think is kind of cool. I know on the on the track side of things, like Allison Felix was getting those 35-plus um, age group world records, which I thought was you know kind of crazy because she's going and meddling at the Olympics. But Bekele, I thought, played it smart. I think Bekele knows what he has left and knows what he's capable of because although he was leading that group... I think a year ago, Bekele, or maybe two years ago, Bekele, is is pushing that pace and trying to chase a 202 and then blows up and goes backwards. I think he ran within himself today, and I think this is a smart race, and I think it was a good race considering where he's at, right? The days of expecting him to run and be that number two guy have passed. The days of him being considered an actual threat to Kipchoge. I mean, I don't think those days were ever there. Although you look at, oh man, he's only two seconds behind what he ran in Berlin. It's it's hard to say he was completely out of the picture, but they never had that true head-to-head -head matchup where you got to see it, right? London 2020, Bikay is a late scratch. Kipchoge has the worst marathon of his life. That thing completely fizzled and was a, and was a gigantic bust. So he was never going to be that guy. His best years were in the five and the 10. He had that one spectacular day in Berlin and that was it. But I mean, he's a 40-year-old running sub-206. That's good. That's impressive. That is a, that's, that's beyond maybe 10 years ago. If you told him that, he'd have taken it. But the marathon has changed so much to where it seems like a disappointment. But he's 40 years old running 205s. That's pretty good. And I remember in his last sort of years of relevance on the track when he was hurt all the time, if you had told me in... 2011 that Kennedy Sabakele would still be a legit top tier marathoner 11 years later I probably would have believed you because I know how talented he is but I would not have thought it was a guarantee and I would not have considered it a disappointment so if you're a Bekele fan be happy celebrate this stuff Masters World Records I thought it was a great race for Kennedy Sabakele number 11 Bashir Abdi he's just great at getting third Third at the Olympics, third at the World Championships, and then gets third here, runs uh, a solid time. He's he's always in the mix, and this was no different. Um, 205.19, a, a solid run for him. This group is so stuck together, right? This this guy, group of guys that, depending on the course, I think are capable of running, you know, 202 high all the way through, you know, 205. Like that's that's basically their range. 
And, and Abdi's in that group, and he's, he's good in tactical races, and he's good in time trial races too. I know he wants to go beyond the, the third place finishes in some of these big time races, but good run for Bashir Abdi. Number 12, another London Marathon again in the spring. How's that going to change things? I already talked about this before. Will Kipruchu go back and do it again? Because, hey, I just won there. I'm going to re-up, run it again. Same thing with Yahuwala. Is she going to do it again? Or, or are they going to be less likely to do it because they just did it and maybe they want to experience something else, right? London has been in the fall now for three years, starting with that weird elite-only race on the loop course back in 2020, which it was... It was an incredible feat just to get that race off the ground and have a race in 2020 in the fall. And then they kept it there in 2021 and then now again in 2022. And then it's going to shift for 2023 back into the spring. So in order to do that, you have to have two races in quick succession. So I'm just wondering how is that going to look? Are the fields going to be any different? Is it going to be easier for them to retain the defending champions? Is it going to be harder for them to retain the defending champions? On the men's side, there's, there's one question that needs to come before all the other questions, which is, hey, Eliud, do you want to run a race? And then I think everything's going to fall from there. Uh, on the women's side, I think they're going to want to keep Yahuwah Law. I think they could advertise it. They could really push it as, okay, women's only record, course record potential, because now we've seen her do it twice. But again, maybe there's going to be a desire for someone to want to go and do something else. There's not as many options in the spring. Boston, I mean, you could go Tokyo in the like late winter, early spring, and Boston. Like that's it. Like fall has been crowded for a couple of years now. Boston had uh, the field cleared for it last year because there was no London. So they're going to take some of those athletes, but um, it's not as crowded as as the fall season, especially when you have a fall season coming after a major championship marathon that attracts the big stars. Right? You got Berlin. You got Chicago. You got New York, and you also got Valencia now in the in the in December, but Valencia is attracting a lot of big names. Even though it doesn't have the World Marathon Major designation, it's still it's 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 creeping in there to, to where it's going to be a, like a de facto major, sort of in the same way as Dubai is in the early part of the year. But with Dubai, a lot of, there's a mix there. But a lot of the the Dubai athletes because they don't have appearance money is a lot of people on the breakout like hey you win this and then you're a name whereas Valencia I think they're doing a good job getting established names as well too but I'm curious to see what's going to happen having the London Marathon in the spring let's go now we got two more we got 13 and 14 no we got three more 13 14 15 and then we'll do questions from the chat so put questions in the chat if you got them or comments I see a couple in there I'm going to get to them in a sec uh number 13 Ferris scratched. I think he's one person who can really take advantage of having a London Marathon in quick succession. Like, is that going to be his final race? You could see a scenario where now he tries to get healthy over the next couple months, has enough time to have a proper buildup, and he actually announces this is going to be my last race and then goes for it. Gordon and I have talked about this over and over again. Retirement within track and field and road running is sometimes a strange thing because sometimes people don't announce they're retired because they're just trying to keep it going, keep it going. And then before you know it, it's like, wait a minute, they, they're coaching now or they're not, they've moved up to a different, they're mountain running. Like it's just, sometimes people have the very formal traditional team sports or big time individual sports goodbye, where they say, this is going to be my last tournament and I'm going to play it and that'll be it. Or this is my last season. But sometimes a lot of times in track, they don't announce it. And it's just because they want to see if they can make a team and then Okay, and then that rolls over to the next year. And then before they know it, I think they probably get a bit self-conscious of like, man, if I announce my retirement now, is that going to seem kind of odd? Because it's been a couple of years since I've made a team. But for Mo Farah, he's an athlete who obviously deserves, everybody deserves a proper goodbye. But he's one who is going to receive a big-time goodbye. So having his last race in London makes sense. Having it on a stage as big as the London Marathon makes sense. He talked about going back to the track before and trying to make one more team, be it Europeans or Commonwealth. That just doesn't look like it's happening. So if you don't run the times in track, you can't really get to that big stage. I guess they could invite you to a Diamond League and that's fine, but you're not going to get on a World Championships or Olympics type stage unless you've run a legitimate 
time to qualify in. Whereas a marathon, they can choose their field. And I feel like London Marathon is a, a world marathon major is a big stage. That's bigger than a, a Diamond League race, right? Not exactly, not up there with the Olympics, right? But it is up there in terms of big stages. And he can get into the London Marathon. He can have that proper goodbye, something that befits a guy who's won 10 global gold medals, someone who's run really good marathons in the past. What does he do in the London Marathon? Who knows? But I, don't, I think that's sort of irrelevant. It'd be a great story if he somehow manages to pull a rabbit out of the hat and gets a win. But just having him go out like that, I think, is much more appropriate than having him go out in some sort of obscure meet where he's you know, trying to get one last qualifying time. Like This is, this is a grand stage for, for Farah going out with, in, in a race with other top flight athletes. Right in a in a serious serious race. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that. Um, and I think the fact that it's in the spring kind of makes more sense. I think that would work more with his schedule because if he had to wait another year, maybe he just says goodbye in a spring marathon and that's it. But who knows? I don't know. Maybe he wants to run for five more years. No clue. Probably getting ahead of myself here. Uh, number fourteen. Two to go. I just wanted to comment on something. You don't hear much about shoes anymore. And I think there was a couple year stretch when you could not have a conversation about marathoning or distance running in general without talking about the shoes. And not to say the shoes don't matter anymore. Of course they do. But we've gotten to a point where people accept it. They've created limits around it. Some people don't like it. Some people do like it. It feels like there's parity within the brands now, an Adidas athlete one on the men's side, a Nike athlete, one on the women's side. There's not a million photos of everybody's shoes every single race. Um, for someone who didn't necessarily enjoy having to talk about the shoes every single time we talked about a road race or a time, I think this is a good development. I also think the times have settled in, basically, more or less, right? Like that, they're definitely fast. Like, and when you talk about the last five, 10 years in marathon running and look at how many of those top performances are all times, all time performances. It's like, you can draw a straight line to them, but, but even before the shoe technology really took off, we were seeing fast times being run in the marathon. Is it greater now? Yeah. Like the numbers don't lie when you look at that, but I think there was a lot of people who were envisioning like, Oh, everybody's going to run like what Kipchoge is running or, or even faster, or everybody's going to run like Bridget Koskai's. 214. Well, Bridget Cosguy can't even run like Bridget Cosguy ran, right? Like that's just, that was a special performance on that day. Did the shoe technology help? Ab absolutely. I don't think anybody's discounting that they're faster than the old models of shoes, but we're not, we didn't, we never reached a point, at least with this current shoes where, you know, the women are running 212 and the men are all running 158, which is what I think a lot of people assumed when this whole debate happened. Last one, last one, uh, Colt's weather report. Shout out to Colt, uh, podcast producer, chief marathon meteorological correspondent. I was watching this race back and at one point the commentator said, not very much wind out there today either. And I thought, Colt nailed it. Colt nailed it. Cause he said, what'd you say Colt? Four miles an hour from the Northeast. Exactly that. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Take a bow, Colt. Thank you. Thank you. You know, sometimes you're just born with a gift and uh, this is mine. So, yeah, the weather was good. I don't know if it did it rain up rain. Did it end up raining that morning? I didn't see any water on the ground, so it might have been. Let's see. OK, Colt, we have the past weather in London here Sunday. Yeah, it doesn't look like it rained on Sunday. No, I Looks don't believe so. Yeah, uh, there was a pretty good chance, but I don't think it came through. Yeah, better so weather than we thought initially, I think. Yeah, which is another reason why I thought it was going to be uh, a tad faster than it ended up being. Um, the weather obviously can completely prohibit you from running fast, but it's not going to guarantee they can run fast because if the pack doesn't go, then the pack doesn't go. So those are my 15 takeaways from the 2022 London Marathon. Uh, let's go and look in the chat here. Brendan, uh, good day prediction in Valencia, 213. So you got two things going on there, right? You have Latensipe Gaudet, who 
is just an otherworldly talent making her debut in the marathon. So she's super fast and she's going to be on a course that's also ridiculously fast. Um, that marathon and every road race in Valencia has been quick, right? So the course record, I'm looking up Perez Jeff Tier Tier, 217.16. Good day. Um, when she ran the half there, ran 62.52, which I have to laugh when I say it's that fast. I don't think she's going to go. I don't think 213, uh, but I do think 214 is possible for the first one. Because there has to be a, a bit of a learning curve, right? There has to be. Like she can't, on her first time in the marathon out, go and break the world record. Um, that, would be, that would be astounding. But I could see something between 214 and, and 215 mid on that course. But yeah, we've never had anybody run the half marathon that fast. So if you're trying to predict, it becomes very, very difficult. Um, on the same topic, Brendan says, how fast would she have to run for you to want her to step away from the track and focus solely on the marathon? That's an interesting question. How fast would she have to run in that debut? I think, well, it depends how you look at it, right? Because if, you, if you're going on the, looking at the track side of things, right? And you're like, man, what are the matchups I really want to see on the track? You obviously love the Safan Hassan matchups if you're a fan of distance running. Like you like Safan Hassan versus Faith Kipyegon um, or Gudaf Sagai and in the 1500, and then you, you move up in distance. And the women's five and the women's 10 has been great, um, but it was very Hassan dependent. You also have Nian Saba there now as well. So I guess there's more just like out and out stuff star power in the five and the 10, but part of that's just because of the event, there's a little more staying power. The women's side of things, it's just more of a rotating cast. I guess my question is, is there anybody on the women's side, and are we gonna see someone on the women's side who can dominate the event like Kipchoge? I'm not even talking about the times. I'm just talking about, is there somebody on the women's side who can come along now and for 10 years be the best in the world in the marathon? And I think Gade obviously has the potential to do that. But I look at someone like Yehuala, I think she has the potential to do that. So to answer Brendan's question, how fast would she need to run? I would say I would want her just to be like where the top women in the world are right now. Because I want to see someone with potential to dominate. So, you know, 216 or a win. Even if she wins and, and runs a little bit slower, I think that would be, that would be enough for me. Because on the track... She's got, got world records. Um, I feel like, I feel like there's enough depth though now on the track to where we're gonna get a good matchup regardless in the five and ten, whether or not Gaudet is there. Um, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I know it's a tough bar. I'm basically saying, are you gonna be one of the greatest marathoners in history? <laughs> if so, I want to see you run. If not then go back to the track. I guess I'd like to see, I want to see another, this is the rare time when I'd rather see a record chase than a, just a championship race. I would want to see, I want to see another women's 10,000 record chase with Hassan and Gade in the same race. Because remember a couple of years ago, Hassan got it and then Gade took it back from her in a matter of moments, right? Like a couple days, if, if I'm remembering the, timeline correctly yeah in Hangalo 2021 Hassan goes 2906 and then Gade goes 2901 so I would want to see them head to head for the world record throw Nian Saba in there as well too I want to see him race for gold too but I think that would be fun just to see them in the same pace type of race let's see what else Tropical Runner says greetings greetings Tropical Runner uh Cliff uh, this is about Bekele, I'm assuming. Thought he's going to drop out, but at least he uh, keeps it and beat Legese and Lemma. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. <laughs> Kipchoge stays in, and he ends up... And this is what happens sometimes in the marathon, because big-name people drop out or have bad days or just are a little bit off. He beats Lemma, who's the reigning champion, and he beats Legese, who's run 202.48. So that's pretty good. Again, that was a good day 
for Kenanisa Bekele. Don't get trapped into this idea that he's going to win races forever. That was a good race for him. He beat really good people. Uh, Cliff also says, where's Titus Akiru? He's fifth all time. Yeah, he ran really fast in Milan. I remember I picked him for, I want to say, London one year when he was entered. Was that last year? Let me look up Akiru's profile here. Has he been running? No, hasn't run in 2021. Yeah, Milan, he was 202.57. Then he won in Abu Dhabi in 206.13. Haven't seen him this year. He's a potential number two guy. Again, a lot of number two guys. The number two guy list is crowded. Uh, more from Cliff. Chicago is good weather. Ruth Chepnegich, new world record. Yeah. I mean, she's going to go for it. Chepnegich takes big swings. You, you, you can always say that she's going to go for it. But I just – I don't think we're going to see a 214.04 unless it's – I would be more inclined to say it's it's going to be a good day or it's going to be a Yahuwah Law like next sometime in 2023. That would be my prediction for world record, the next world record. Or Kazgai if she gets it going again and gets healthy. But I think Chepengedich will go for it, maybe drop another 215. But that's just – it's so far away um, from everything else, right? Like that, that mark is a minute and a half ahead of Paula Radcliffe's time, which already was – a pretty big outlier. Now it's not because the Cepha's there, but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to just get in the habit of saying everything's a 215 now. Um, other than Koskai and Yahuwah, Gordon Gebri Selassie, Ruth Chakimgegich, Perez Jebchirchir, all have chances. Yeah, there's there's a lot of depth on the women's side, and the difference in the women and the men in the marathon right now is all those women have won or have the capability to win big time marathons. With the men's, it's just like, hey, when's the when's the top dog going to show up? Like, we're all playing this sort of secondary game here, right? We're all in the JV race until Iliad checks in. Beef Boy, what's up with the later start times? That can be permanent. Yeah, we're doing 12.30 Central, 10.30 Pacific, 1.30 Eastern. That's so we can use the studio, which Bob O'Baby likes. So we're going to keep doing it. Because Bob likes it. Uh, Gordon will be back. It'll be, an, it'll be a normal show again when, when Gordon's here. It's just sort of strange now because it's just me talking to a camera in an empty studio with Colt in my ear and an AC running. Can you still hear the AC, Colt? It's not that bad. Okay, featuring. I don't think the audience can hear it as much as I can. Okay, but. featuring the AC. Um, yeah, we'll be in here. It'll always be archived, though, so you can check it um, then uh, later on at your convenience. But I think more people theoretically will get around to listening to it this way because I don't know those West Coast folks you had to be really into track if you're when were we nine we we're nine central right 7 a.m. that's early yeah we were abandoning our Hawaiian listeners too folks out in Hawaii that's like 4 a.m. I think that's tough all right any other questions in the chat any other topics that you want so Wednesday like we're, we're an open book Gordon's coming back so I can put anything on the rundown um Anything else you want us to talk about for Wednesday, throw it in the chat. Or you can send an email, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Another one from Cliff. Cliff crushed it in the chat today. Bridget Koskei debuted 247.59 before breaking world record. Her time was 218.20. Very unusual. Yeah, and you could look at the same thing with Acefa, right? A 234 down to a 215. I think your first marathon, you just throw that one out. I don't think that one's a great indication of what you're capable of. I think... Your training for the first marathon is sometimes more indicative than your actual time because a lot of times people are doing great until 35K and they just overdid it a bit and then they completely fall apart and can't handle it and then they make a little bit of a tweak here and there. They get used to just being on your feet and racing that long and then you see a performance that's more in line with what they're capable of. But I'm excited for the rest of the uh, – I'm excited for the rest of the uh, – Fall marathon season, though. Fall, I'm going to say fall plus Valencia. I think there's still three three good races. Uh, question chat. What times will Fred Curley run next year? Ooh, some sprint talk at the end. What times will Fred Curley run next year? Early track predictions. Let's go. Let's pull up Fred Curley from last year if we can, Colt. 
gold medalist in the 100. 200 was a bit shaky, but it's okay. Uh, ran one early season 400. I think we're going to get... I think we're going to get a really good 200 from Curly next year. So I'm going to predict that Fred Curly gets a PB in the two next year. His 100... Let's see. Let's pull up those those let's go to personal bests up at the top there. There we go. 976 1976 uh and then 400 he's got a PB of 4364. 400 I don't think that should 200 I think he's going 1967 in the 200 next year. And I think his 100 is going to stay right about the same. I'll get him at a nine seven, nine seven eight. I think next year could be an interesting logjam with him, and Bromel, and Bracey, and Coleman, if Coleman's able to get back to where he was, you know, pre, pre suspension, because all those guys have run high nine seven six. But I'm, I'm buying Curly getting a big PB in the two hundred. I think it's time. I think he'll get at least one one really good one, and then that men's two hundred is going to be just ridiculous next year with Lyles and Knighton at the front of it. Uh, Wednesday topic from Cliff. What is the fastest last 100 or 200 split among any race more than 800 up to marathon? All right. 800 up to the marathon. Fast last. Oh, man. Off the top of my head, I remember there was that New York City race where Wilson Kipsang, before he was suspended, it was like a tactical New York City marathon, and he was like talking trash to Lisa DeSisa. That looks pretty quick. Um, steeple, probably a lot of Ezekiel Kemboys. That was more last like 300. He would just take off with 300 to go. But I could put some more thought into that. That's a good one. Um, Cole, how's this going for you? All right. We're all good. It's going great. Good show. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Beef Boy says, agree. Look at Jackson. Curly will figure out the 200 eventually. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a smart point. I guess I should have used that as a reference point because it took, it took Jackson a bit and then because she went four down to one and then the 200 finally came around. I, yeah, I, we all just take for granted that the, 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 the 200 is just something you can punch numbers in and then, oh, they're good in the one, they're good in the four, it's going to work out. But there's more to it than that and figuring out the curve. I just think he's going to have more opportunities next year to run a good one because – well, Curly's last race was Worlds. So he, he missed a good chunk of, of the season just because he got banged up after Worlds and, and wanted to rest. Remember, he won even on the 4x1. Uh, the so it's kind of interesting. Like, Lyles did so much work post-World Championships. Right? We talk about putting together a resume for Athlete of the Year when we talked about Athlete of the Year on the pod. So much of... Lyles's best races came post world championships and then other people world championships and that was it just I I think Curly will have a, a longer season next year a more complete season I'll have an opportunity to run fast than the two but. uh all right one more here Bobo baby sorry if I missed this what is the prediction for Mansa's debut time in Chicago does he break the American American debut record of 207.56 I love it when we Slice it up that thin. It's like American debut. I'm I'm big on Mance. I've been big on Mance ever since college. I remember I went out to watch him do a workout. You can see it on the site from I think 2019. Did like 10 by 1K. He was just just an absolute monster out there. It was ridiculous because he's running against good guys and he was just running with good guys on his team and he was just clearly a level above everybody else. So I think he's going to do it. I think. Mance is going to be the marathoner that on the men's side that the Americans have been waiting for. Not to, I know that sounds dramatic, but I think he's the guy who goes straight ish from the marathon, from college to the marathon when he still has his whole career in front of him. He's still got that leg speed, but at the same time, his whole collegiate career, he was thinking about the marathon. He signed up to do the trials marathon back in 2020 because 
I remember his coach said at ISO, was like, you just don't get that many opportunities to qualify for an Olympic team. So he was going to run and he got hurt right before it and he had to withdraw. But he's been thinking about the marathon for a while. So he's got that on his mind. It's not as if he's just jumping into this. It's not as if he's doing it late in his career when he can't get around the track fast enough anymore. So I think he's going to go 207s in this first one, maybe even, maybe even quicker. Um, and I think he has to, right? To be, to be relevant, that's what you're going to have to run. I mean, look how many guys in, in London just ran 206 or faster. Guys that don't even get mentioned. Like That's the prerequisite at this point. But yeah, Chicago is coming up on Sunday. So we'll definitely preview that. We'll probably preview that one Friday. We'll probably wait till Friday to preview that one, unless Gordon really is chomping at the bit to get after it on uh, on the Wednesday show. But thanks everybody for tuning in. This was a ton of fun. I hope you'll join again on Wednesday, again live twelve thirty central on on YouTube, or you can catch it archive on the site or audio only Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your uh, pods. But I, I love it when people comment uh, on the chat. It's a ton of fun for me to do the show. Um, so that's it. Thanks to producer Colt for helping this go. He's the engine that makes the show go. So if you like the show, we got to leave Colt's Venmo up at some point. By the way, Gordon still haven't paid me the $37 from that women's high hurdle bet. I just want everybody to know that. He says I haven't given him his info, but I was like literally sitting in this chair and he was sitting right over there. And I was like, I'll give you the info, take out your phone. And he didn't, he didn't want to do it. So I think I should start interest at this point. It's been like two months. Yeah. Yeah, my strategy is, I don't know if I said this on the air, like every two weeks, just do a, t do a bet with Gordon that totally takes advantage of his like desire to be right. That's just going to override, comp basically only bet with him when I know I have a really good shot at winning. But now that he's not paying, I don't know if I'm going to do that. Because the Eagles are 4-0, right? So Gordon's just, he's a Philly sports fan. He's probably just through the moon. So I'm sure I could bet him right now, like, will the Eagles, he's like, the Eagles are going to undefeated. And then I could probably put, like, my $100 up against his, like, 20 and just get an easy 20 bucks. So. Yeah, it's a parlay for every game the, yeah. the Eagles yeah. have for the rest of the season. Yeah, exactly. Because he's probably through the moon. That's all we'd have to, that's all we'd hear about if he was on the show. All right. Anyway, I want my 37 bucks, Gordon, if you're watching. Uh, we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks again. Uh, make sure to subscribe and join. Talk to you guys next time.